This is Drive Time Prop, 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. The top story, yada, 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 is Hurricane Dorian. There's a new twist, though. Apparently, the suffering in the Bahamas has attracted China to compete with us in aiding the Bahamas and the administration fears they are trying to get an inroad into a place a little too close for comfort. And that just reminded me, first of all, everything's all about competition. We need to to violate our principles and subsidize technology or have foreign aid or invade other countries because... China, because Russia, same old, same old. It's been this way. You can find old books, old contemporary writings. You can find old literature that talks about the exact same thing. You have an enemy to justify anything you want to do that violates the principles of your country. And it reminded me of, I was in an Uber with an Ethiopian guy. And I said, wow, I remember growing up, I mean, all the news all the time was about the starvation in Ethiopia. And he said it was totally exaggerated, yet we flooded them with financial, with foreign aid. And I had read in Paul Johnson's basically like one volume history of the United States, or maybe even like history of the world, but I think it was history of the United States, that our foreign aid to other countries was inversely correlated to their opinion of us. So the more we gave them, the less they liked us. And he attributed it to people being ungrateful and spoiled and whatever. But it wasn't that, I don't think, because what this guy was saying is all of that aid, all of it, just went to people on the ground who were willing to promote the policies we wanted in that country. So if we wanted to support a local businessman or a local councilman or whatever, we did it with that money in order to affect, basically meddle in their politics. So that was... That's how it looked uh, to me that this is yet another way of interfering with other countries, this financial aid. So that was that's today's headline on Dorian. So China's just like, if you're going to try and stop us from getting Huawei technology in your country, we're going to go help the Bahamas. <laughs> right. See, that's the thing. Like, we should be happy. Yeah. Let them help. That's right. great. Yeah. You know, just be a, a beacon of freedom for the world, and we can trade with them and get them on their feet, and we don't have to pay for it. It's fantastic. Yeah. So even though climate change and the destruction in the Bahamas has been a prominent story for the past couple of days, there was another hurricane-related story that has seemed to take – Central focus in the media, and that is what is now being called Sharpie Gate, which is the dumbest story you've ever heard of. Trump tweeted out, I think on August 30th, that Alabama could get hit also. And that set off a firestorm in the media, who had been previously reporting that Florida was going to get hit for a week and a half, which it never did, but got upset at Trump because (laughs) they say that he propagated misinformation, that he lied, and that he doubled down on his lie. And they made it seem as though he was continuing to say that Alabama was going to get hit, even though what he was really doing was saying that that was in the initial forecast in the beginning, and he tweeted out or he showed a picture during a press conference trying to defend himself of the map, of the original forecast of a map. And somebody pointed out that the map had a little Sharpie drawing on the tip of it to make it look like it was going – I mean it was obviously drawn on. It wasn't like somebody was trying to deceive people. 
If right. you if you look at the actual original forecast, that little drawing does mirror what the original forecast was. So it looks to me like okay. Somebody... So there's a new map, and somebody altered it to look like yeah. the old map, or vice versa. It could have been an old map that someone altered to look yes, like a new map because it... it really wouldn't make sense to do it the other way. It looks like they were saying, "Look, this was the original forecast. It was right here." And then he t- tweeted out a photo of that. All of that stuff, the details of it, they don't matter. It's just them trying to call Trump a liar. But Trump retweeted all the tweets from the Florida, the Alabama people, the Coast Guard down there. They were all preparing. So it's not like this was a, a major falsehood, a major lying scandal. But it was used to promote Sharpie Gate. And <laughs> I saw that trending like yesterday or the day before. I yeah. was like, Sharpie Still trending. Anderson Gate. Cooper. He goes on CNN last night, and he's doing his little truth thing where he lies to people. And at one point he goes, we don't know who drew on the map, but what we do know is that President Trump uses black Sharpies. (laughs) Along with, I think, 200 million other people. As though that's the evidence of that. So the purpose of this story, in my opinion, (laughs) is this. Because we're seeing this running narrative about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who when he makes mistakes, it's okay because he's telling us a greater truth. So it's okay that he's not giving us the accurate details. But when Donald Trump gets the details wrong, like the Alabama thing, he's malicious and he's intentionally lying and he should literally be put in prison, which is arguments that they have been having over this Sharpie Gate thing. I think this is a a juxtaposition to the narrative that Biden lies, but he's still telling the truth. Trump lies, but he's evil. Here's the funny thing, though. When Biden says that stuff, you can see it coming out of his mouth. But this Sharpie Gate thing, I was looking it up just real quick on the homepage of CNN, the center column, the top like three or four stories is about Sharpie Gate. And one of the stories, it's really, it's actually crazy. One of the stories, the first thing is a detailed timeline of Trump's Alabama map meltdown. That is the front and center story on CNN right now. Meltdown. Uh, Yeah, Trump imposed sanctions on Iran. Like, we could have a war. Like, new sanctions really provoking. Yet we have this. Then the next one is Washington Post colon trump was the one who altered dorian trajectory map with sharpie so the washington post has reported that yes so we the lie that trump is being reported as having told was told by trump and then on the hill they also have the same thing like trump was the one with the sharpie if you click through on any of those articles, it all goes to the same Washington Post article uh-huh. that says, I have to read this passage because it's so kooky. It says, uh, President Donald Trump was the one who used a black Sharpie marker to alter an official National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration map to include Alabama in Hurricane Dorian's trajectory during an Oval Office presentation earlier this, earlier this week, the Washington Post reported, quote, No one else writes like that on a map with a black Sharpie, end quote, a White House official who spoke on the condition of anonymity told the Post. Case closed. (laughs) How many things are wrong with that? The first paragraph is like, can you believe he altered an official document? Holy God in heaven. You know? And then it's like some guy we don't know thinks it looks like his handwriting and did you see the line it's just a lie no one i guess he was saying no one would deface 
a map like that. I just—it's a religion. Remember, boggles the mind. Oh, that's true, and it's official. It's official. It was from an official source. This How dare he? Whole story is just designed to say, "See, we told you when Trump lies, he's evil. He's trying to deny the weather forecasters our new religion." But even if it was a genuine mistake, they can't even prove that he made that mistake. Yeah. Like they, they're like no mistake is even in in evidence. Someone familiar with the smell of Trump's fingers after leaving <laughs> said a distinct smell of Sharpie came off of them. I know, you know what? You know how I know it wasn't Trump? Because he only uses orange Sharpie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so now we know. Now I have cracked the code. <laughs> Booyah. The boat fire that was in the news a few days ago we talked about. Just a horrible— Which still haunts me, and it's very upsetting. Yeah, it, horrible tragedy. They have— Horrible. They've opened up an investigation into it, and one of the things that stood out to me about this story is that they are using military technology, new DNA technology called rapid DNA testing to identify the victims faster. And rapid DNA DNA testing is a completely automated testing of DNA, testing samples in less than two hours using portable all-in-one instruments. So it's like a turnkey solution for testing DNA in How under two hours. How accurate is that? I don't know, but it says <laughs> you do not have to have a required trained DNA laboratory test or oh. an environment to conduct it. The portability yeah. is the key. So anybody can be a forensic crime I scene detective. China rolled that out. Did I they? think that was in my list of things that China is testing for us. Like where the cop could do it. Yeah, the cop can do it. It says this, it says incredible technology is going to change the way law enforcement does business. This is a FBI agent said that. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! China uses. God. It's basically a lab on a block of plastic that uses the same basic chemistry and processing that is used in traditional labs. So they're they're creating these databases across the country of DNA. Now they have these rapid DNA testings. They can expedite the whole process and convict people on the crime scene. Wow. How can it be that accurate? It might not be accurate at all. Oh, right. <laughs> Yikes. Dude, I'm, this is the thing. I think of like the struggle between uh, individual liberty and tyranny as being just as old as civilization itself. But I will tell you, uh, this tech thing makes it, I mean, total – it's like the white earth effect. Like at a certain point, if there's total surveillance, revolution is not possible. Oh, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to coin that analogy in some way in my glossary. Yeah, that's what the guy was talking about a little bit, Yuri, about the mass surveillance state destroying individual liberty. That was such an interesting – you know, I guess you did play some of those clips for me before, but it's like when – it's like the punchline of a good joke. If it's so shocking to you, you just can't remember it. So I didn't remember the details. It's worth listening to. Again, what is that this week's Propaganda Report? Is that where we play Episode that? 183 of Propaganda Report. Interesting. And what, the climate change one was the week before? No, we did or climate we did change both. in that one. There oh, my gosh. Same, yeah. Do I have like a mental block against – I cannot get that. That feels like two different episodes yeah. to me. Well, we Not also talked about it during the Daily Prop. Right, okay. There was a story today about an airplane sabotage that is trending right now. 
American Airlines mechanic was arrested for sabotaging and grounding a flight the other day. It was yesterday. And what he did is he disabled the navigation system. And I was trying to figure out what the purpose of this story kind of being in the news was. And when I looked a little bit further, I discovered that the reason he did it is because his family is struggling and he's upset over an impasse over negotiations over labor union contracts. I think that this was an act of civil disobedience in his mind. I think he probably works with one of these resistance groups because this reminds me of what's going on in Hong Kong a little bit and some of the other activism. And I think this was an act of the oppressed against his oppressor, and I think this is going to emerge. Themes like this are going to emerge as we move forward closer to the election, and we're going to see stuff like this because this guy, when you read the story, he's the victim. Here – Here's the thing. Oh, and the story is presented to be him as the victim. victim. Okay. Here's the thing that is so artificial about these kind of resistance movements and these rebellions, even in Hong Kong, is that the whole promise of democracy, the whole reason that the United States went to Europe for World War I was this idea that we were saving the populations from tyrannical, unrepresentative governments in the name of democracy— Civil law, all this stuff. So as the UN, as these trends of that everybody has the same system and it's a an individual human rights, civil rights, all that stuff. I, I'm a huge fan of individual liberty, which to me is the essence of civil rights. But that that this is supposed to be the remedy for you don't have to resort to terrorism. If you have representation. So what are they saying? Like, so are they saying that the democracy is failing or are they saying that minorities, I mean, minorities of political opinion, that minorities are sometimes right and that a majority based democracy can't solve the problem. So you have to go outside the law. What are they saying? Well, do you think or not? I think it's just rhetorical. Pete Budovich was on The Late Show last night, and he was talking about how it's just common sense that if we're going to be a democracy, that we're going to get rid of the electoral and every vote's going to count. It's the opinion. Okay, so you're saying it's that the democracy is not working. Well, they would say that democracy is supposed to work that way. Like you're supposed to have acts of terrorism for democracy to work? Yeah, I think they would probably. Some of them would argue that. These activists would. See, I think that's a complete contradiction. That's what, like, that's what I'm saying with their their viewpoints. It's like they actually pay lip service to democracy. And I'll tell you, right. the first time I heard hardcore liberal question democracy was when he was telling me that Trump, that the Republican Party needs to rein Trump in. That is irresponsible of them to respond to their constituents at the expense of good government. And I said, so you're questioning democracy he said yes i am so i I, it's just that maybe they're ushering in the technocracy i mean that's what that's what this globalist backlash against trump really means they speak the language of democracy because that's what they have to do to mobilize their base they're not going to say we're ushering in the technocracy they're not going to say we're ushering in the i don't think they even say it anymore Actually, I don't even think like a blow struck for democracy. They don't even say that. No, anymore. they prop. They say we need to fight for democracy. They say right now we're not under democracy. They lead people to believe that. They yeah. make people think that this isn't a democratic republic. Okay, yes, you're right. This okay. So this brings us back to where Stacey Abrams is coming mm-hmm. from, and where that clip that we played 
of the Panamanian guy and the local Atlanta activist chick. I forget their names. I've never known their names, which is why I can never recall them. Or I should say I could never remember them. But they, so this guy, so yes, yeah, so their their argument is that real democracy would work. So it's just raw, everybody votes. You know, the only way to make raw Pure everybody. democracy. Yeah. yeah. The only way to make that happen. Is Although that other chick was saying she wanted platonic, you know, she wanted the Athenian. select democracy. Yeah. yeah. So with puppet masters, which of course is what it would be, but the only way you, or the only practical way you would have pure democracy today would be that everybody votes on their little uh, digital implant or whatever their technology, you know, the matrix. You just blink your eyes and that's your vote. Yeah. Speaking of activism, to a lot of people, next week is the anniversary of 9-11, but to the resistance, it's defund hate week. Officially, it is National Defund Hate Week for the resistance. They have events set up all over the country, and it kicked off yesterday in Boston with hundreds of protesters marching through the streets during the peak of rush hour, blocking traffic as they march towards Amazon's headquarters at Cambridge because they're protesting the cooperation between ICE and Amazon. And when they arrived at Amazon, they stormed the lobby. They refused to leave. They blocked elevators. They shouted people down, and employees were forced to get police escorts to even leave the building. Twelve people were ultimately arrested for trespassing, and this is the exact same group that staged that event where they said an ice truck driver plowed through a line of children activists up in Rhode Island. Same group. Never again. So that story you told us where the way it was being reported was completely different from what you saw on the actual video. Yeah, they staged an event. The guy was just trying to park his car and they rushed him. (laughs) And then they controlled the narrative of the reporting because they put all of their people in front of the journalist and they got their journalists there. Same thing going on here. This is whatever whatever you're concerned about the issue is, you're not gonna get the truth about it because this was a staged event. I mean, planned down to the last statement and the the blocking. I went to their website. They give you the staging, what you're supposed to say. Wow. They give you the the slogans. They tell you, we're going to go, I said this is bird dogging. They say, we're going to be bird dogging. That's what they say on their website. So they plan these events and they plan the outcomes of these events before the events even happen. So you can never actually know the truth of what's really going on. And they have a list of when their events are. And their next event is on the 8th of September. So I guess that would be this upcoming weekend. So we're going to see another story about protesters. Something terrible is going to happen to them, I'm sure. They've already planned it out. The thing about the immigration issue, I understand the climate thing. I I understand why people can be super scared about that. But the immigration thing is a little weird because they're going nuts. Like, this is humanitarian crisis. This is a moral emergency. You can uh, elaborate on that if you want. Oh, yeah. Defund hate week. And this is their official thing yeah, for hate. the whole yeah. resistance mm-hmm. happening on the same week as 9-11. That is not a coincidence. And Why? here's what the message is going to be. Why? Yeah. I guarantee it. We're going to hear – they're going to be propagating. We were attacked on 9-11, September 1st, 2001 by a threat, a terrorist from the outside. But today we are under attack by terrorists from the inside whose leader is in the White oh, House. Oh, yeah. You know what? White Beyond nationalist that, though, terrorist. And it's going to be domestic terrorism. Yeah, they're going to frame it to where Trump and yeah, the white nationalist uh, domestic terrorism is right, the greatest right. threat facing now. Yeah. Right. And that's why I think that corresponds with this week. 
That is probably true. And I, uh, the the thing about the immigration, though, is if you really – the climate change, okay, what are you supposed to do? People are like, what's the science? What's the answer? What can we do? Is government up to it? Is government the only way to do it? Like these are questions that you could talk about. But with the, the immigration issue as being this like moral uh, horror with no two sides also, why are – if these people cared at all – about the people they say they care about. They're so driven. So these are Americans who are so driven by compassion for complete strangers that they're willing to throw themselves in front of trucks and everything. And I would just say, if you really care about those people, wouldn't you want to know why all of a sudden, last year there were 100,000 people showing up at the border and now there are 500,000? Wouldn't you want to know what the hell is going on south of the border? If you're going to, why are we not calling for invading Costa Rica, you know, or wherever? I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying the the people who are freaking out about this issue, I mean, that issue is clearly a symptom. It's just like, I have a stuffy nose. I need medicine. I want Dayquil. It's like, well, Dayquil doesn't really work because your problem isn't really cold. I just, you're disgusting. <laughs> you know? Racist. It's just a symptom. It's just a symptom. And they need to back it up and say, why are these people coming? I think they'll find a rabbit hole as to why the people are coming. Mm-hmm. But, but assuming that that's not what they find, what they're actually going to find what they what they an innocent person might expect to find is horrible conditions in those other countries which we might be promoting through drug war or economic warfare or even actual military operations or political operations that create refugees uh, and displacement and uh, you know there's there's a reason hundreds of thousands of people are leaving their homelands to be treated poorly and be separated from their children, according to the narrative. Yeah, You know what they'll find if they start looking into this is they'll find themselves being asked to come into the office of their individual group, indivisible group leader, and having a sit-down conversation with them saying, you're going to need to stop asking some of these questions (laughs) or we're going to brand you a racist. That's why they need to get like 16-year-olds. No offense to 16-year-olds, but they're just – their brains are not – yeah. They, they aren't skeptical enough. They don't know what questions to ask because they haven't been burned. Yeah, and they don't know the history. They rewrite the history. In, Indivisible is writing a book on yeah. the movement, on why it happened. So they're, they're, and I'm wondering, <laughs> is this going to be in the fiction or the nonfiction section? Because <laughs> The book. Yeah, it, but they're going to be telling all these lies just like they tell in the emails that they send. And kids who read it, if this is presented as a historical book, they're getting a made-up history. And Pelosi today – propagated the whole we need to lower the voting age to 16 i saw that you tweeted that that's perfect but the the one thing i noticed yeah so if you look at that you're gonna see that it's not grassroots it's what pelosi labeled the tea party as astroturf yeah you would see that and i i just remember like i remember when obama was elected some irish band made a song about barack obama you know and like said it (laughs) in like their gaelic it was really funny it was and it was just like this unbelievable hope that he was the great, the great, uh, sincere socialist, the the good faith socialist leader that they've always wanted, and they just thought the world was saved because American imperialism was over. That's the hopey, changey thing. But that's what people think about Trump. That here's a guy who's going to drain the swamp, who's going to to bring. And I think the Tea Party it did have some people in the background, Dick Army, and so I think it was Dick Army. Uh, kind of 
guiding it, but it it was, I was part of, I was aware of it. I was around it. I marched with them against Obamacare. My mom was in it. There was, it was very grassroots. My mother was not on the internet getting her marching orders, but there, but there is an artificiality to it that would come out if it was a real story. So you can debunk that book is my guess. I don't know if I trust anybody named Dick Army. Oh, dude, you know that his famous quote. What is it? Uh, it's so off color. You'll have to decide. But he said, this is his quote. I think it's in his wiki page or something. It said, there isn't actually a Dick Army, but if there were, Barney Frank would be the general. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty crazy because I'm not sure Barney Frank was out of time, but Barney Frank laughed. I believe Barney Frank didn't mind, so I would not repeat it. That opens up a whole can of worms of what exactly he means and what rooms have they been in Don't take it any further. Please, (laughs) please. I felt worried enough saying it. Don't take it any further. So, uh, But the the whole template being repeated thing, like Indivisible was based on the Tea Party, which they admitted – and Trump, uh, Trump is kind of the the prototype, the beta, the first, the original Trumpian character, which is now like a term, a historic like Trumpian. Yeah, is is a I, I don't know what you would call that, like a picaresque character, a Trumpian character. Wow, and, I wonder if that's in the dictionary yet. I bet it will. Oh, be. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But Bojo, I was calling him BJ, but it's Bojo apparently, Boris Johnson. He was described in the newspaper today as Trumpian, <laughs> Trumpian, but he is Trumpian in more ways than they would admit. So his brother, Joe Johnson, J.O., so I guess yeah. he's Jojo, left the government today because of the conflict over Brexit. It's tearing this country apart. Yeah. I don't know what to do. So I was like, all right, all right. And I remember Boris Johnson being some... Some very fancy guy, like some very deep state guy, like the way Trump really is. And in the article, I see it right in front of me. Their father, Stanley, was an EU commissioner. Oh, really? He was an EU commissioner, yeah. So, I mean, if you wanted to think that this was a setup, was was instead of batting back Brexit, it was just pulling the arrow back just to let fly for a stronger European Union, whether England is in on it or not, I don't know. But like the Brexit thing, I would think my assumption is that it's meant to strengthen somehow or other the European Union. I think that that's a good estimation. I'm curious now if Trump's uncle ever worked with Boris Johnson's father. Because he worked with the British during World War II. I don't know how think, old his father is. I think uh, he mm, I think he might be a little... A little too young? Yeah, a little too young. Maybe he's He worked on population control in, out up. of Connecticut. Boris Johnson was born in the United States. That, that I did know. And he worked on population control in Connecticut, Stanley. Yeah. There's a story that you anticipated. Billy Bush is making a comeback, returning as the host of Extra, and he has done some sit-down interviews, and he has made it known that he believes that Al Franken was set up. <laughs> oh, wow, a twofer. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> He's got to be on the side of, of 
of the Democrats now since he was oh my gosh. in that video. He's a Bush. Why mm-hmm. do people ignore this stuff? I know. These it's crazy. Bad. That's where their money comes from. Yeah. You know, you've got to not ignore it. Well, I have a couple little quick hits on a personal, like, of people in the news that one is, well, one is for you. Howard Schultz is not running. Well, he was, but he dropped out is what I thought it was. He said he is not going to run. At, he was exploring the idea of running as an okay. independent, yeah. and he decided to give up that idea that, that the Democrats are too upset at the idea of a third-party candidate. The best candidate, the dream candidate for yes. people who actually want solutions if you're a Democrat. Gaff, gaff, proof yeah. sincere, <laughs> yeah. solutions-minded. Right. He could solve, he'd, put, he'd put those tires in the ocean. <laughs> but the, the other thing that I love— I love Eddie Murphy. Do you know how much I love Eddie Murphy? Tell me. I love Eddie Murphy. Like, I love him. Love, love, love him. He is coming back for a stand-up tour in 2020. He, I also loved his brother, Charlie, who did those real Hollywood stories. I mean, I. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> just, well, he died two years ago mm-hmm. of leukemia, I think. I was bummed about that but his and i don't think you can find them they must be making something with those clips because they were just falling down funny he was on the Chappelle show but i don't know if you ever saw eddie murphy on inside the actor's studio did you ever see his interview on that Mm-mm. it was great a a young black actress came up and said to him there was q a said to him what advice would you give a young black actor and he said I thought this was good. He said, the advice I would give a young actor is don't take anyone's advice, and I'll tell you why. And then he gave her a great answer, which was after one of his stand-up shows, he was at a a comedy club, and he ran into Rodney Dangerfield in the bathroom. And Rodney Dangerfield said to him, hey, kid, you got a great actor, but, uh, you know, don't work blue. You don't got it. uh, No cussing. Don't do that. It's It's not worth it. So... Eddie Murphy said, if I had followed his advice, that I would never have made it. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have had Raw. I wouldn't have had anything. None of my comedy would have worked. It was a terrible idea, and he was the greatest at the time. So do not take anyone's advice. Yeah. Richard Pryor used to do clean stand-up comedy on, like, the late shows, just completely different from what his set yeah. ultimately became. Then one day, he was doing his set. It was being filmed. I believe it was live. Just walked off the stage. And went and turned into Richard Pryor. No way. Yeah. Well, I think that a true wit does not need to go blue. However, some things can't be expressed in clean terms. You have to get too euphemistic. And it and it leaves out a whole body of real things that need to be vetted in that way. Especially now that it's mainstream to go blue and now that Beto O'Rourke Ugh. says, that's effed up to every question he gets. Yes. No, I know. And it actually negates it all. Yeah. It just negates the whole – you're not actually accomplishing anything. You're not using it wisely because they're not good at it. They show Somebody cut some clips together of O'Rourke doing a bunch of interviews, and he strategically says that's effed up in every single one of them. Like five oh, different really? interviews. Oh, so, that's great. Because it's spontaneity that was the initial, wow, he's raw. But when it's clearly scripted, you're losing your edge. Right. You guys can find your drive time prop every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with our Propaganda Report feed. We'll talk to you guys next week.